Hello everyone and welcome to Employee, your podcast for rethinking employment. My name is Christina Walker-Meyer and I'm the host of this podcast. Today I'm super happy to have Luis here with me today and we will talk about his journey, how he created something meaningful for himself out of his job at Zalando, which is Europe's biggest fashion e-commerce company. So welcome Luis. Thank you so much, Christina. I'm super happy to be here with you today. So Luis is 32 years old and he's from Venezuela and he works currently as an innovation manager at Zalando and he also works pro bono, which is volunteer work, a mentoring volunteer work with the program Startup Mentoring in the nonprofit organization called Impact in Berlin. We're super excited to hear about your personal story and learn more about the jobs you're currently doing. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> so Luis, as a start, uh, before we talk about you and your, your story, your journey, I would like to know what does an innovation manager do? So for example, what are your key tasks? With whom are you working with? Because I guess not every one of our listeners is aware of what your job position is about and what you do right. all day. So yeah, thanks again, Christina. Um, well, for the past two years, I've been working, as you mentioned, as an innovation manager at Zalando. In this role, basically what we do is that we offer employees the possibility to validate their ideas through a program that we have. This program offers any employee a 20% working time pay policy. So in the context of this 20%, that allows anyone in a time frame of three months to work in a different role or in a different project for 12 days. That's basically in the context of what an innovation lab offers to the mm -hmm. people. In regards to what I do, I don't think it's not that straightforward. I mean, I think my role has a core component of innovation, which is you have a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of changes within what you do, because I mean, in the innovation is about that, is to how mm -hmm. do you handle uncertainty, how you handle changes. So the most important part beside of what I do is of why I do the mm -hmm. job that I do. So I like to always start with that. Why, yeah. why I'm really in this job, why I'm really in this, in this role, let's uh -huh. say. Simas, two years working in, in Zalando and also, as you mentioned, working with startup mentoring, I've been seeing like the true power of entrepreneurs or the true power of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So I believe innovation is something that any company has to embrace. So mm -hmm. it's an imperative, regardless of the size or regardless of the time that you're in the market. And I think at this point in time, it's very exciting to be in this part of, of let's say, in this domain, mm -hmm. which, is, which is innovation. On top of that, I think that the reason why I do this is because innovation is not an individual activity. So mm -hmm. it's always involved a lot of people. So it's this combination of joint efforts, collaboration. And the reason why I joined this is because all the time you're just interacting with a lot of people. Okay? That's kind of the reasons. I think it's, it's a unique opportunity for you to be in a constant learning mm -hmm. situation. And for me, that's very rewarding. So it's very inspiring when you hear someone comes to you and say, hey, I have this great idea or I want to do this, I want to do that. And you're just sitting down, feeling yourself, okay, I really can help this person make a step forward. Mm -hmm. For me, that's actually amazing. So that's more or less what, why I kind of like got myself involved in, the, in this. Now, to your real, to your core question, what do I do? So the what, I think it's, it's kind of this way. So I empower people or, or I support and coach people to become entrepreneurs within Salam. Mm -hmm. An entrepreneur is saying, you are an entrepreneur, but within the boundaries of a big corporation or a big company. The way I do that is that I try to identify people who want to do something beyond their current role or mm -hmm. their current job. If these people want to pursue an idea, I'm there for them to take them from an idea to a specific proposition, concept, product or service. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what we do. We identify people and their ideas and we help them to go from this idea to development growth and implementation. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so does that mean that every employee in the company can come up with own ideas? And how is the process actually to implement them or to bring them live? So how, how does the process look like? Right. So as I mentioned, um, this is something that the company took as a, as a strategy for, mm -hmm. for helping people who wants to do something that they believe is meaningful. Mm -hmm. And the process is it's kind of like not that complicated. So the company offers an environment for you to experiment. Mm -hmm. And we do that through a quarterly event that is called Hack Week. Mm -hmm. So anyone in the company is able to join this event. Mm -hmm. And for a week, you are able to gather a team, mm -hmm. kind of like have a way of working like a small startup. Mm -hmm. So you recruit people, you, you kind of get them motivated in yeah. the vision that you have and the project that you have. And then 
Our role in this event is to support these people that perhaps they have any idea of where to start mm -hmm. with the starting point, and then we guide them through different stages with the innovation cycle mm -hmm. to come from an idea to the specific product. So there's no limitation of what you want to do. Mm -hmm. It's not restricted. I mean, everyone is able to join. Yeah. And I think all in all, what we create is this kind of like innovation culture within our company. Do you think this is crucial for companies to, let's say, even survive in the long run? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, that's why I also became part of this exciting journey. I mean, if we look, if we take a look at what's going, of course, in, in all different industries, I mean, the, the pace of change is just very, very fast. And sometimes you feel that you are in control and you feel that you are, you know, pioneering every area within your business. And sometimes that's actually not true. The best ideas come from people who are actually taking a look not only inside but also outside of the company. And those are the people that come to me and say, hey, I saw this, I saw this problem, I saw this opportunity. Mm -hmm. How about if we create you know, an environment for us to test whether we can solve this specific issue? Mm -hmm. So if companies are not allowed to see that, like this broad spectrum yeah. of where are the main, let's say, customer needs or customer problems, I think it's it's a way for them to be in a very delicate situation to be sustainable in yeah. the future. So I believe so. It's it's very important to to have innovation as not only as us as a program, but also as a company wide culture, company wide yeah. way of working. Are we thinking how can you do better or best or actually completely break your own current business or your yeah. own current product, let's say. How can you make it better? So I think, of course, it's paramount. It's very important. So, and who are your main stakeholders within yeah. this? Is it like, do you work very closely to the management board? Are you working quite closely to the leadership team? Or is it just employees in general? So if you would pick your, let's say, three, four main stakeholders, who are they? Yeah. That's a very good question and I think that's also why this job is also very exciting. For the past year, I kind of have a counter. I think I've worked with more than 100 people. Okay. So that's that's actually huge. That's crazy. That's, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> and my main, let's say, customer, let's call it that way, are the entrepreneurs and their team. Mm -hmm. So everything that I that I do in my job is to help them you know, have the smoothest process in the innovation process. Yeah. So I take Roblox away, I help them with networking, I connect them with certain people internally and externally. So my main customers are the people who want to innovate yeah. because these are people who are intrinsic motivated to see something actually happening, mm -hmm. to challenge the status quo. Besides that, my main stakeholder are the people who invest in this program within the company. Uh -huh. And that said is, in our case, the vice president of digital experience. Okay. So there is a person who provides the resources and allow the people to join our program. So we report to him, we say, okay, these are our projects, this is the current state, this is where the one to get at, let's provide it with some funding. Mm -hmm. And when we send funding is time, space and just a little bit of budget so they can play with some experimentation that means that if they create something they can show it to real customers yeah. and they can learn whether this product makes sense or not to be built and launched by the company so we do it very lean so it's kind of like a startup way of working you create small experiments you test but all of this is driven by our entrepreneurs which yeah. in our case is our main customer our stakeholders okay the vp already mentioned but you have to also take a broader look of who could be impacted mm -hmm. by these specific projects so you have to bring all these people together mm -hmm. and it could mean that you can have yeah more than five six almost ten stakeholders because all they have to be involved and of course support the whole process of yeah. innovation nice i mean this is a, like a little mini startup then within the company so you have like a real <laughs> investor you also learn to to gain let's say a business mindset but you also learn how to network i mean that's what you basically also need if you would found at some point your your own startup Correct, exactly. Can you give us an example project, let's say in the past month, that you were part of, that you supported? Yeah. So in the past, let's say, year, I've worked in five different projects. All of them have different kind of like directions. Mm -hmm. So a year ago, I was involved or I was the innovation manager of a project who was democratizing the last mile delivery. Mm -hmm. So it's part of our core business, how you deliver, for example, the parcel of Salando from the warehouses to the parcel hub and then to the end customer. Mm -hmm. So I was involved more or less in that, um, in that project a year ago. But recently I've been involved also, and this is quite interesting, with uh, internal products. So when I, when I say internal product is that recently I was involved in a product called what's called a mentoring program. Mm -hmm. So we identified different opportunities within the company where people can benefit from mentoring from each other. Mm -hmm. So we call uh, or we build something that we call now people products. 
Nice. So we're actually okay. building digital products for our internal employees uh -huh. so they can have better opportunities to develop their career further so they can, you know, tackle daily challenges where they can further increase or, you know, develop different skills that they currently have. And for me, that was actually pretty rewarding. It was not a customer facing product, but it was kind of our first time working in, in something internal. Besides that, let's say it's something that we worked on recently. We have also um, been researching certain emerging technologies. Past month, we have been also experimenting with conversational technologies. Mm -hmm. So how can we build use cases or features or products around products like Google Assistant? How can you make the shopping experience within Zalando smoother mm -hmm. for, the, for the customer? So we're trying to develop superior customer experience in that direction, leveraging from, from emerging technologies. And as I said before, it's not driven by, by me. It's, yeah. it's more I empower the people who wants to do this within the company. Mm -hmm. And I guide them through a structured process so they can completely fulfill all the success criteria or the predefined goals that they stayed uh, starting the beginning of the project. Nice. So it's a real, true, bottom-up process that you just empower and support rather than uh, top-down projects that you need to execute on. That's correct. So, yeah. so most of the projects that I worked on to now, I'll say almost not 90 or 100% of them are all bottom-up. They all come from our employees, their mm -hmm. ideas, they identify this opportunity. And for me, it's more or less help them to deliver new business opportunities mm -hmm. with these projects. And then the management will be in charge to say, yes, this makes sense, let's proceed further, let's invest more in here. Mm -hmm. And you guys are the one leading this, you are entrepreneurs. Can you describe a little bit how your typical days and weeks look like at the moment? Also maybe a little bit, which kind of frameworks or tools do you use in your daily work? Yeah, it's a very good question. <laughs> I believe that any innovation manager does not have a standard week yeah. or every day doesn't look the same. But if I have to make a, you know, an average of how, not my day, but how my week could look like, yeah. it could start something like I wake up very early in the mm -hmm. mornings. I'm a morning person. On Mondays, me and my team have something that we call a daily stand-up. Well, not a daily stand-up, it's a Monday stand-up. And there we kind of check what kind of projects are in the pipeline, who's taking care of which project, what kind of priorities do we have for this week, what are the forecasts for the next four weeks. We also use a different a method or a system to track our objectives and key results, which is OKRs, and we also talked about that. And that's basically what happened on Mondays. During the week could be two situations. Could be either that I'm running a project. For that, I become a sprint master of a team. That means that I run design sprint, which is a structured process for you to solve big challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a structured way for you to solve problems. So how can you come from a problem to a specific solutions that you can test with customer? So it could be a week that I'm doing that, running a project for our innovation project team. Or it could be the situation that I'm getting ready yeah. to deliver or to run this, this design sprint, these uh -huh. projects. So it all goes into those both directions, either running projects, preparing for projects, or preparing for innovation events. So for example, in Zalando, in three weeks, we have something called Hack Week. And this is the moment where everyone in the company gets together. When I say everyone could be around more than 600 people, and they have the opportunity for a week to experiment and kind of tackle real customer problems. So we're also getting ready for that. Besides that could be that, as you mentioned in the beginning, I do some volunteering work. So sometimes I join startup boot camps with entrepreneurs from West, East and North Africa. Uh -huh. And it could be that I take a week off from my vacations to be volunteering in these events. This is super rewarding and fulfilling because it gives me, you know, a real experience of what's happening in the real world, yeah. of the startup world. And there, what I do is I am part of different kind of sessions, like one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one mentoring, speed dating sessions. I deliver workshops about the things that I know. That leads me to your question, what kind of tools do we use? So what is exciting about this job is that when I started, I could say that I didn't know so many tools. But since you learn on the way with projects, you have to learn these tools, you have to master them, and then you get the chance to teach them. To, to teams or to different mm -hmm. projects. So just to mention several tools, and these are the tools that many startups uses, it's more or less value proposition design, business model design, concepts around minimal valuable products, and of course, all of these things are in, in direction also to design thinking, user mm -hmm. research, and most of these methodologies that you use to innovate. You mentioned earlier, sometimes you work in a week of a design sprint. 
Can you just quickly describe in a few words how a design sprint, like a typical design sprint week looks like? Because yeah. I'm not sure that everyone is aware of those frameworks. Yes. So I like to use this definition about design sprint. And I think it covers more or less what is the goal. Design sprint is a flexible, time-boxed, problem-solving framework. Okay, And what it allows you is to reduce risk of building something that people truly want. And it's not the opposite way. You want to build something to push it to people. No, no, it's something that you're going to use, going to, to use as a framework so you can be very sure or at least more sure that people are really going to like what you're building. Mm -hmm. So the way it goes is it's a combination of three different methodologies. It's design thinking, is user research, and agile engineering. So when you combine these three, that's how Design Spring was born. And uh -huh. it's all inspired by Google Venture. So what we did in Zalando is we actually didn't reinvent the wheel. We took the best parts of this Design Spring and we tropicalized it to our projects because we cannot go so fast as a startup. In our case, it's sometimes challenging to get people together, to put everyone in the same room mm -hmm. because it's a huge company. It's a big, big company. In a nutshell, what it looks like is you have a structured process in five days, normally mm -hmm. from Monday to Friday. On Monday, you truly understand what's the problem. And that's a big idea because you don't start already with the solution. Many yeah. people come to me and say, I want to do this. I want to build this. Yeah. And when I challenge them and I ask them, but what's the challenge that you're solving? Or what's the problem that you want to solve for our customer? Sometimes it's really hard that to be articulated. Yeah. Sometimes they don't understand really if that's a huge issue. Yeah. And if it is a huge issue, how big it is for, I mean, if it's a problem, how big is this problem for the customer? Yeah. Does it make sense for us to do something in yeah. that direction? So this design sprint, the first day, really helps you to understand the problem. And besides that, it helps to align within your team because you're working together. You're collaborating with different disciplines that will kind of leverage or will help you to have better solutions in the end. So the first day is truly understanding. And then the second day, now you can think about solutions of how to solve those problems. Wednesday is all about decisions, decisions and more decisions. So which these best ideas can we take so we can prototype on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And then on Thursday, what you do is that you build something very realistic, complete user, complete customer experience mm -hmm. that you can learn on Friday if customers are truly wanted, will pay for this or will use this so you can then go to development phases. There's a structured process for you to save time, to get people together, to understand a broader range, what is the strategy of the company, how can you contribute to that. And it's fun, super fun in the end. It's very rewarding because you can see how much work you can get done just by investing five days of your time. Yeah, I guess this makes you also somehow like a customer expert because you're so close to the customers and you get the chance to validate and prove all those contacts directly with customers and get the direct feedback. So I would also guess this is like your insights are very valuable to the rest of the company as well. Totally, totally. And it pushes you to talk to customers, yeah. which sometimes People will say, yeah, I talk to customers all yeah. the time and probably that's not true. So it pushes you to talk to customer and then what it encourages you is to share your learnings afterwards. Yeah. And that's also very valuable for many teams because you will take a different approach, a different angle and everyone will benefit from this in the end. Yeah, I guess this is often the problem that people rather fall in love with a solution and not with a problem, but it should be the other way around to fall in love rather with a problem than with a solution. Totally. Yes, I agree with that. So what background would you say do you need to have to become an innovation manager? So first of all, what background do you need to have? But then I also would like to learn a little bit about your personal story. How do right. you did get there? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think beyond having a background, it's about the attitudes that you have towards how do you see the world and how do you see people? How mm -hmm. do you see helping people? I've seen colleagues in this domain coming from different backgrounds. So mm -hmm. I cannot really tell you that you need a specific background. I've seen people working in this domain as they're coming from engineering, I mean, from science, from arts, from psychology. I actually have a colleague who has a biology ah, background. Interesting. So, so I don't think there's a domain that you actually require. In my case, I kind of stumbled into this, in this, to this role. My background is in engineering. Two years ago, I decided to take also kind of like the business side of my career. Mm -hmm. So I came to Berlin to study international business management. Mm -hmm. And I was truly inspired and motivated to get to know more about startups in Berlin mm -hmm. and how innovation is being done in Germany. From that point on, when I decided to write my thesis in my master, I focused myself into entrepreneurship. 
in, in that process, I met someone who I'll say is my mentor nowadays. So back then he was my professor, he became my supervisor of my thesis, he became my friend, and now then he's kind of like my mentor. This person introduced me to the head of the innovation lab in Zalando. Mm -hmm. I found a really interesting topic and I found that Zalando was an interesting sample to check how this company fosters an environment for innovation. So how do the company, you know, encourage people to be innovators, encourage people to act entrepreneurial. And I kind of crafted a research question of, about how does Zalando create this environment and what's the perception of people. So that's how my first step started in this, in this direction of innovation. So I came here, I presented to the head of Innovation Lab and I told me, hey, I want to do a quantitative research about how your company or how your lab foster this environment. And I'm going to measure five dimensions, which are very important for innovation. Mm -hmm. The first dimension is how does your management support people to be innovative? Second, what is the level of work discretion that you give them? What's the level of autonomy? What is the decision making latitude that everybody has to, to take decisions? What is the available time that these people have to do something mm -hmm. besides their job, which is very challenging. Fourth one, and I think it's a very important one, how do you recognize, how do you reward people if they work in innovation? And finally, where are the organizational boundaries? So what, how is the inflow and outflow of information within teams and also outside of the company? So for me, that was the first step to getting into innovation mm -hmm. in the corporate entrepreneurship. Luckily, after this presentation, they offered me to work as a working student in Zalando. Uh -huh. So they told me you can do your thesis and perhaps you can help us with the program. And long story short, this working student role evolved into a full-time employee. There, I became an innovation manager. I think my first experience was just sitting down with people and people just come to me, hey, I want to build this platform, you know, that I can help probably local tailoring services within Berlin with, you know, with Zalando customers, because uh -huh. we, I think there's a problem here. There's a lot of people who are returning the, the things that they buy. How can we do something in this direction? So the first thing that I did in this role was to sit down, listen to people and try to find ways that they can do research, that they can prepare a concept or a proposal. And then I started to like that. It's something that I really like. It's kind of like they want to build these businesses. So yeah. for me, it was very attractive, very compelling. I think the tipping point to make the decision to work in this role was when I had the results of my thesis. Because there I showed that there was, you know, a lot of opportunity to improve this environment in innovation in uh -huh. this company. And that's why I said, okay, it's a challenge. I want probably to take it as a full time. So long story short, I think it was a combination of many things. And I mean, it all boiled down that this is kind of like the place I like to be now. And I think mm -hmm. it, it was kind of a, this combination of very good things happening along the way. You also chose, a, let's say, very untraditional way of finding this job. Maybe it's not super untraditional, but I think it's worth pointing it out that you mentioned like mentorship from your professor. You would say that for you having like a network, let's say with people that have a good network themselves, helped you to, to get in touch with companies or with that company in that sense, rather than going on a, let's say, job page or job board and look for something yourself? Totally. I think that's a good formula. One important thing as an innovation manager is you, you should be really good at uh, communicating messages mm -hmm. or be a good communicator or be truly good at networking. And for me, that was a good way to get into this role. I don't remember the last time that I was applying through traditional ways of applying, like going to a website, yeah. sending my CV. I think one of the things that I wrote down as a goal since I moved to Berlin was to be out there as much as I could. So I was attending to meet up events with startups. I was going to talks and I'm just, you know, presenting myself to people and say, what are you doing? What are you doing in Berlin? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good way. And you start meeting one person and the other one, the other one, the other one. Yeah. And when, when you realize you have like 20 notifications in LinkedIn and that's that's kind of like, you were like, wow, I'm really meeting a lot of people. It's also a downside from there. It's not, a, it's not only about like the amount of people that you know, it's rather like, Who are you meeting? Why are you meeting them? Like, it, it, is it truly the people you want to have in your network? And, and for me, I always look in the direction of, you know, people that are in, working in this field that also like Mandate and all these different uh, um, components. Yeah. So, so yeah, I agree. Networking is a crucial part. And the reason how this person became my mentor is because I just proactively send in an email. It's like, hey, yeah. I think you're going to be my, prof my professor of entrepreneurship. Can we have a coffee? And that was like four months before we even had this kind of like course in the university 
And I just met this guy in the cafe. I was a little bit intimidated, like two meters tall German guy. And I'm like, so you met a professor? And like, he was like, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. What are you doing here? What do you want from me? <laughs> so, you know, it was very direct. And yeah. I said, you know, I think I can learn a lot from you to start. I think you can help me. And how about if we create a joint collaboration here so I can write my thesis with you? Maybe I can leverage from your network. You can help me out. And then to this point, I think this person had been the most important and most influential person that I have in my life or in my career in Berlin. So networking and mentoring, I think are two important and crucial components if you want to be in this domain, like innovation, startups and so on. So what I heard from you is a little bit also is a mix of being excited, naturally excited, ask a lot of questions, go out there, meet a lot of people, be brave and not be afraid of like just talking also to strangers. But then also, as you said, it's not about the amount of people that you have in your network. It's also about investing in the quality of your relationships. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think one word that probably summarizes what you're saying is curiosity. So mm -hmm. like, I'm curious. I'm just well, curious to know what you do. I'm curious yeah. to know what you're working with. The networking part, I recently read this really good sentence that said, the true value of networking is not how many people you have or how many people you know. Yeah. The truly value is how many people can you introduce others to. So I think that's, that's a really good message around yeah. it because if somebody comes to me and I'm doing this mentoring with Impact and they tell me, hey, I have this challenge and I don't know everything. And of course, nobody knows everything, but I always have this person in my head like, okay, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to introduce you to this guy and uh -huh. probably he will solve your challenge. And I think that's a truly valuable thing that you can just know who can help this person. And when you give this support, it's just a peace of mind that yeah. came back to your brain that you're like, wow, I, I help him, yeah. you know? So I, I think that's the core value of, yeah. the, of the networking word. No, I see it myself. So when I actually started my career, and every time I received an invitation on LinkedIn or like Xing, which is the German version of LinkedIn, I was like super happy and I was super proud and I accepted everyone. <laughs> so it was really about the quantity of contact. So I felt important a little bit. Right. But now after a few years, like it's getting more and more and more. And sometimes I just ask myself every time when I receive those invitations, I usually get like 10, 15 per day. I'm asking myself, like, can you please explain me even why do you want right. to add me? So I'm usually when I add people because I saw like a nice presentation at a conference or I'm naturally curious about what they're doing or I have the feeling like it could be a good sparings partner for me. Right. Um, I think it's really important that whenever you contact people that you also give them a little bit the why. So why are you interested? If you go to meetups and you meet a lot of people, it's really about giving people, giving them an idea why this relationship is also not only important to you, but why it can also be beneficial to them. I agree. Yeah, totally right. Yes. Then before we jump into your mentoring role, I would like to understand from you what means success for you and what are the moments where you feel specifically proud? And I don't want to limit it to your professional life. Maybe you don't even distinguish anymore so much between your professional successes or your private successes. Don't feel limited. So success, mm, I think that's not an easy question. Uh -huh. <laughs> Let me try to, to explain to you what success does not mean for mm -hmm. me. So what is not success for me? First of all, I don't think success is defined as a, as a goal, you mm -hmm. know, as a milestone, something that you just, you get there and then you're, you know, satisfied about it and it's done. So for me, that's, that's not success. For example, in the context of, of running, let's mm -hmm. say, um, for me, success would not be to cross that finish line when you run a marathon or when you run any race, a half marathon or whatever. That's mm -hmm. not success for me. So for me, success is rather this journey yeah. to take that takes you onto that finish line. Mm -hmm. So it's this small wins, this is small things that you accomplish that drive you to your bigger vision. Mm -hmm. So everything has a higher purpose of what you do. So in the content of innovation management, for me, success is not oh, my team built an MVP, you know, my team built something and they tested with users or my teams reach this metric that everyone's talking about, right? And you feel so like, oh yeah, this is successful. I don't think it's that. I think it goes a little bit beyond. For me, success is more like, I see my entrepreneurs that they're not settling down when somebody is pushing back their ideas. You know, they're like, you know what, they say this, but let's try to find a different angles of how can we solve this, right? So for me, that's success. They, mm -hmm. They're like, feel, they empower, they feel that they can show and they can prove more. For me, success is like these people, not only what they do inspires them, but also inspire other people so the flow can continue. For me, that's kind of like, okay, this is actually making a long-term impact. So for me, success is thinking more, not about the short-term gains, like what exactly you accomplish at this point, mm -hmm. is rather 
the bigger picture, the bigger yeah. vision, let's say. So yeah, I look at it that way. I don't see it as something static. It's yeah. more about a journey that you are in that with small wins, small improvements, mm -hmm. you get to your bigger vision or gets you closer. So you also mentioned a little bit, uh, it makes you proud if you empower other people. So would you also agree that it's kind of a multiplier effect that you would like to have or? Totally, I think of what I've experienced is that the most important part of this role is how can you lead by example. So I have done actions and then I've seen kind of like my colleagues or my teammates doing similar things. And when you see that you're like, okay, this had a positive impact on him and he's just transmitted this message to other person. And I think the other person and the other end could potentially do it again and that's already multiplying. So I agree with you. It's just, this is like a multiplying effect that doesn't stay just with you. It's people who see you, who mm -hmm. are aware of your actions and then they try to also spread knowledge, information or, or positive things. So yeah, that's kind of success for me. What are the most difficult challenges in your job? So maybe if there are even some downsides, what are those? Yeah, so nowadays I think the most challenging part in my job is trying to, to make people aware that even though you're working in a big organization with all the resources, all the offering advantages that we have, it's very unlikely that you're going to for example, succeed as an entrepreneur if you don't have this kind of like startup founder mindset, right? So it's kind of like it's challenging for them to see that they're actually going to make a difference because they're more aware like, okay, I have all these resources, I have all this time, I can, you know, take all these different, let's say, people to help me out with this. If you don't realize that you should work as an early stage venture, mm -hmm. it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to, to take it to a next level. So for us, this process of innovation is like starting very small and then very step by step, you're going to get into something bigger. And in that kind of like journey, people sometimes feel like frustrated or tired and this is kind of like the job of an entrepreneur, you know, you have to deal with that. There are a lot of uncertainties. Failure is an integral part of the process. And that's another challenge that I have. Many people feel that if they say, oh, I made a mistake, somebody's going to judge you. But I think that mindset sometimes have to be challenged because it's a different way of working. It's like, you know, I give you this money, I give you this space, go and do what you believe it's kind of like people uh -huh. really need. And they don't want to take several decisions that perhaps would put in jeopardy the reputation of the project or the reputation of themselves. So sometimes I want to encourage that. I'm like, you know, failure is part of the process. The Lean Startup Movement said that failure is an integral part of the process. And I truly believe that great successes come from the possibility and having this freedom of failing a lot. So I think that's, that's sometimes very challenging because we're very fixed saying, yeah, we want to be successful, we yeah. want to succeed. But the reality is that outside of this world, outside of this company, a lot of people fail. That's when you learn, right? So, so I think that's challenging sometimes. Yeah. Everyone wants to succeed, but they don't want to put the skin in the game. So you're also becoming more and more, let's say, a mix of a business and a personal coach for those people. Yeah, because I mean, I think business is about people. So if you don't understand people, you don't understand business. Mm -hmm. And that's a core learning here. So I, you truly have to understand them first and then you can drive the business forward. If that is not a good foundation, then it's, you're going to have a bumpy, bumpy road. You're going to mm -hmm. have a bumpy trip. So it's very important to understand people first. Yeah, that's true. Because I also believe that it's all about the, the quality of your relationships and how you interact with people and move them forward. As you already described before, your work is not really limited to your role at your current company, where you're currently employed. You created much more out of your role. Mm -hmm. You said you also work as a volunteer mentor at NPACT in Berlin. So can you tell us a little bit more about your mentoring role that you've created on top of your job? Yeah. Sure, that's, that's a great question and actually it's a story that I, that I love, that I really like. <laughs> so I take 30% of my time to, to do mentoring. Mm -hmm. So this 30% of my time comes from, from my vacation. And what I do is that I mentor entrepreneurs in North, East, West Africa and also in the Middle East. This also came to me because, again, talking about my mentor, a year ago I told him, hey, I'm learning all these really cool tools. I'm very excited about this. I'm, I'm, I have an engineering background, so it's the first time that I'm trying to use these tools and it's good because I'm learning them and I'm implementing them right away in my projects. So I think it all started with this eagerness of sharing knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. of, of I'm using this, it's working. And mm -hmm. when that works, what you do first is that you want to spread the word with your friends or with the people that you care. 
So I went to my mentor, he's a business coach and also an entrepreneur, and I told him, how about if we offered this tool as a workshop with any of your customers or your clients or in anything that you're doing coaching things. And then again, as you were saying, like networking part, 50 minutes after I called him for this, I got the call from the director of Impact. And mm-hmm. he said, hey, we have this startup bootcamp come. This guy, your mentor called me. How about if you come next week to this bootcamp and you deliver this workshop? And after 30 minutes, I had a slot to deliver this nice. workshop. So long story short, it was a really good experience. Sometimes when people ask me, how was it? I I don't know how this is going to sound, but I, in those six hours that I was in that boot camp, I yeah. felt more fulfilled than my three months of work. Nice. You know, it was <laughs> the impact you see it right away, mm-hmm. right away. And that feeling is just, you cannot compare with anything else. So after that workshop, the buffet was very good and it gave me the chance that the director called me back and he said, hey, there's this situation. There is a mentor who has to drop out from the program. He cannot continue. He, several reasons he cannot continue anymore what are the possibilities for you to become a mentor? And for me, it was like, well, honestly, how can I be a mentor? Because I never have a startup before. I don't know what are the requirements. I can teach things that I, I've learned in the job. Maybe I can tell people not what to do because I've seen a lot of failure. And then when I explained to the resources why I probably cannot join, he said, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, first of all, you don't need a company. We just need your drive, your motivation, your passion, your willingness to, to help people. Yeah. What you describe is what mentoring is about. It yeah. doesn't matter if you don't have a startup, maybe you're going to have it in the future. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you want to take this challenge, it's your choice. And for me, it was like, okay, yeah, of course, sure. So that's how it started. Fast forward after that call, a month after I was traveling to North Africa, and that was my first mentee that mm-hmm. I was helping her. She's, she's building currently secondhand platform, uh, secondhand platform in Tunisia. Mm-hmm. So I traveled there, I met her, I was there two days. And what I had was a mentoring session that just sat down and said, okay, what are your problems? And listening to them, I thought, wow, I truly can help people because I was very scared in the beginning. I was yeah. very like, how can I help these people? I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. But you know, in this world, you, you also create a mindset of design thinking. So I was like, yeah. well, how can I know what I'm going to help with yeah. if I, didn't even know, I don't even know what are their problems? Yeah. So I took three hours to sit down with her and just write down what problems they have, what challenges mm-hmm. and so on. And when I was writing, I'm like, okay, I have an answer for this. I have an answer for this. I have an answer for this. And when you make this checklist, most of the things that I have trouble with, I was able to help them. So I'm like, wow, this work completely makes sense. So it clicked with me. So after that experience, I continue as a volunteer with them. Mm-hmm. So it's a program every year that takes uh, six months. In these six months, what you do, you take one week where you meet all the entrepreneurs in a place. Mm-hmm. Then you have constant communications with them every month through Hangout, through different, uh, you call them, you have yeah. calls and so on. And finally, there's a final bootcamp, another week where you have all these sessions from mentoring. So it's a relationship that you create for six months with mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, and then you help them as much as you can. Knowledge, expertise, network, all the things that are blocking them or restraining them to build up meaningful, scalable, profitable companies. So now when you speak, it sounds like you're in the game forever, but um, how long are you actually, like, when did you hand in your master thesis and how long have you even worked? Because as you said, I think a lot of people do believe I'm not good enough and I don't have enough expertise, but it's not true because, I mean, we're working, like most of us are working 40, 50 hours a week. So, I mean, that's what we're actually doing. And even if you do this for six months or 12 months or 18 months, you gain so much knowledge. So what about you? Because what you're telling us today sounds that you have like tons of years of experience, but Mm. I know it's not the truth. So I think the issue there is that we don't allow ourselves to see how much we know. Because everything that I've told you is because I have put myself in a situation that I say, I don't know. But when you are in the situation, you're like, actually, I do know. I don't have years of experience, so I started in this role two years ago. And as I mentioned before, is that everything that you do, you learn it. And it's so great what you learn, it automatically pushes you to teach it or to share it. So it's a constant cycle. It's a constant thing. So I've just been listening to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of desktop or secondary research and then coming back to them yeah. with answers. It just requires your drive and your passion to, you know, be always eager to be in a situation of constant learning. So I do believe a lot of people knows a lot, but sit down with someone that you believe that you're not going to be able to provide any compelling or valuable message. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that that's completely not true. 
So that's kind of like the formula. Just just put yourself there. And I also believe that a lot of people are not aware of what they know. So what I actually started a few months ago is actually write down every week what I've learned that week. Right. And this can be um, from I had a tennis class and learned how to surf. Or this could be that I sat in a meeting and someone said something super interesting I've never thought of before. So I would write down these things or I read a book or... I just was at an interesting meetup and learned something. So these are really the little things. This can also be like I learned a new recipe. So, you know, this could be a variety of things, but it's really important to reflect on that and to write that down to, to become aware of what we're actually learning every single day. Right. I agree. Yes. Would you say you've created yourself your dream job? I don't know. Would you even call it a dream job by leveraging your, your current role and your current employment position? <laughs> I'll say yes and no. Okay. First of all, yes, I think I've created a job that maybe not so many people have. And then again, it's because perhaps I have different motivations, I have different interests. No, because I don't think this is still or it's not my dream job yet. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of both. I really like what I'm doing, but mm -hmm. I don't feel that this is the, the ending point. I think there's still like a mountain there that yeah. should be climbed and kind of like bring more impact uh, and help more people and so on. So it's a combination of both. I really like it, I love it, but I think there's still a long way, a long path to, to walk. However, uh, I think there are more important things that you, you're mentioning. Like, I think in my role, I've been able to leverage my learnings. Uh -huh. For example, my role has allowed me to develop certain skills that were required in a specific moment of time. And I really like to see this as a way of like on the job training. So yeah. you're pushed to learning, you're pushed to implement it, and then you continue the journey. So I think that's really good. What is also true, uh, we were talking about network, is that this job has allowed me to increase my network. That's also very true. Yeah. And we talked about it already. And I think it's very good that in this role, you don't have these boundaries of saying, no, you have to talk to this stakeholder or these people. It just allows you to talk to an array yeah. of different disciplines, industry, and so on. So that's actually very, very good. And and finally, I think it also helps you to create like new skills. So for example, two years ago, I had no clue what, what does a customer journey means. I had no clue, no yeah. clue at all. But since I've been helping people in, through an innovation process and have interaction with experts, now I know more or less what it means. I, now I know what is the value mm -hmm. of that. And all in all, another thing that we were talking about is this value of learning, okay, what are the real problems, what are not the solutions and so on. So yeah. I think most of the things think that is your dream job, it mm -hmm. is. I mean, you're working with innovation. How exciting and cool is that? But it's, it's, not, a, a, it's not a static thing. It's, yeah. it's very dynamic. So it's, it's kind of like a journey. It's, it's, it's dreamy now, yeah. but I think it will become more than a dream afterwards. Yeah. So, and which part of this half dream job, as I call it that way, um, have you created for yourself? And where would you also say which part was a little bit more good luck and which part did your company support you in creating this new path for yourself? Because I think, to be frank, you're a great role model. What we just learned today, it's really interesting. And I believe a lot of people would also look to you and think, um, okay, what can I learn from it? How can I get there myself? And I believe, well, it's usually a mix of good luck, meeting the right people at the right time, but how would you describe it? Right. Well, thank you very much for that <laughs> first. <laughs> so this is a tricky one. I think you plan this yourself. You plan it yourself, right? Nobody's going to come to you and say, hey, do this, right? Mm -hmm. I have this plan for you. That's not going to happen. Besides planning it yourself, I, need you, I think you need strong collaboration with the people that you work with, mm -hmm. like within your team. So you plan it, but then you need support for that plan to actually be implemented or come to life. So as I said before, I cannot attribute any of the things that have happened in my personal or career life to myself. It has been as innovation, a team sport. So everything that I talk or every time I mention something around the job that I do, I like to use the word we. So it's part of the, the way that I, that I approach innovation. It's, it's, it's a team sport again. Is it luck? I'm not sure. I mean, many people use this cheesy word that luck is when, you know, when preparation meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that you are prepared most mm -hmm. of the times. What I mean with prepare is that everything that you do, do some retro about it, do some yeah. retrospective. Like, why did I learn in hindsight? Mm -hmm. And then if somebody approached me, what can I say about my learnings? Yeah. Not exactly what I did or why, no, what can I say about my learning? So I think this part of luck is because 
I've been prepared to have an answer yeah. whenever that opportunity comes along. Yeah. Despite my thesis or working in innovation management or, I mean, all these things about luck has come, for example, giving talks also, it's because I've been prepared and I've been mm-hmm. in the right moment and the right time. And maybe that's what many people does, yeah. what many people said, but it is true, yeah. actually, it is true. If you're prepared and if you have this, you know, drive to do stuff, they're, yeah. they're gonna happen to you. It's not luck at all. Yeah. In, in the hindsight, you actually prepare. Yeah, actually I like that perspective very much uh, because luck is always a little bit, that puts you into a passive role. Like you're waiting for like a miracle to happen. Yes. But I really like how you phrase it, that you would say, no, it's I'm being prepared. That puts yourself into an active role. Exactly. And when those opportunities come along, don't miss those opportunities. Yeah. That's the key thing here. Uh-huh. Don't miss it. Even though if you don't know, but try to get to a further meeting. Yeah. That's already a success or yeah. a way to go forward. So I have to feeling a little bit for you, the borders of your work-life balance seems to, to vanish a little bit. Yeah. Do you consider this as a positive or a negative thing? Right. I think I don't have nowadays a work-life line at this uh-huh. point in my life. And I honestly don't know if that's positive or negative. I, I truly honestly tell you that I don't see that line. So being keen more towards my career, my work, and the way I live my life today has led me to make big trade-offs yeah. around my life. So one of the things is, for example, I am distant from my family, yeah. which I really love, but it's something that I decided that I had to do what I wanted to do. So that's why I came to Germany. Another part of this is that I've decided to, for example, end love relationship with my partners mm-hmm. right and it's because because i give a lot of value i lead a lot of weight to to my career prospects mm-hmm. so i don't think that's if that is positive or negative i probably will tell you that in in the near future well i'm going to tell you what i do really believe so i i believe in a constant learning lifestyle and that doesn't involve that you're working right you're just learning all the time i'm this kind of person who cannot stand still or it cannot be just, you know, doing anything, just staring at the sleeting at home. Yeah. It, I don't just feel comfortable with that. Yeah. So I have to feel that myself is being productive, that I'm being valuable. So I really want to believe that there's a life when work becomes an integral part of life and mm-hmm. fulfills me every single day. It's just very hard for me at this point that saying that I have this line because I, for me, there's no line. Life is work, work could be life, but it's all about learning in all directions for mm-hmm. your personal life, for your relationships, for work, and how do you, you know, treat your family, all these different ingredients. I don't know how many people see this nowadays. It's also a controversial topic, yeah. but it also goes along of, you know, the current state of the job situation and mm-hmm. work and how flexible your, your job is, if you can, stay at home or you can just travel Mm -hmm. so i truly believe that there's going to be a huge change coming really soon in in those directions so yeah that's what i I believe maybe i haven't replied your question but i don't know if i have this true truly line in my life would you also say that you're trying to combine all of those let's say work and travel for example if you travel for your mentorship program to tunisia how does your family come into that would you say that at some point you would like to combine all of those or do you rather like keep it separate in the long run? I think you put it in the right direction. I think my vision will be to have a life where I feel very fulfilled what I'm doing uh-huh. and I'm close to the people that I love mm-hmm. and I'm close to the people that I care. And that allows me to create a very satisfying way of living. That I'm fulfilled, that I have joy and that doesn't mean that I'm going to be stressed or yeah. I'm going to be concerned about you know, work because I want work to be part of my life. Yeah. You know, I, I want a feeling that everything that I do goes in that direction. You mm-hmm. know, being close to the people you like and you love, doing things that really passionate and like you. Yeah. And, and for me, that means, yes, probably traveling, mentoring, helping people, mm-hmm. listening to people, listening to the point that, okay, maybe I can help you out, maybe not. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that's the state that I want to be in. It's like, that's kind of my, my bigger vision. With all of this, since you said there is no real line between um, work and life for you, how do you make sure you have enough time for yourself and your private goals? <laughs> do you know. even have private goals or yeah. is it just a mix? I don't know if you know this about me, but this is going to sound a bit nerdy. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I do I do a lot of planning. Okay. Right? So it's something that I learned by working for seven years in a Japanese company. So I don't know if I mentioned it before, I worked in a Japanese company for seven years. Uh-huh. And planning is part of this DNA, okay. of the Japanese way of working, right? When I decided to leave this company, I started to reevaluate what's going to happen in my life, in my career. Mm-hmm. And I treated that as a company project. I created my Excel sheet, I have my milestones, my deliverables. 
<laughs> my goals, my success criteria. Okay. So people who saw that thought I was crazy. Yeah. Especially my family and my best friend is like, dude, what are you doing here? Did you also create a value proposition campaign? No, I did not. <laughs> I, I didn't know it back then. <laughs> so so yeah, I was gonna be my own customer, but that's another topic. Okay. So so yeah, I do a lot of planning and at some point I figured out that that was something that was not going to be sustainable to require a lot of work and I started studying and then working so I tried to find a way to do it more flexible, less complicated, that it was not time consuming and also a bit fun. The way that I manage or the way that I make sure that I have also private goals combined with my career goals is that I have a system. And maybe you know that system, maybe you love it, maybe you hate it, but I have personal OKRs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's nerdy. <laughs> I know, that's why I mentioned saying in the beginning that I'm nerdy. So if you go to, to my little office in my apartment, I have a wall, uh -huh. and in this wall I have my quarterly OKRs. Maybe just uh, to mention, what are OKRs? Yeah, so OKRs is a system basically for your companies to establish goals. Mm -hmm. So OKR stands for objectives and key results. So a good way for you to create personal goals is that you're thinking, of, you're thinking of, in an objective. And objectives have to be something qualitative, something okay. that really inspires you, that you know that you're gonna wake up in the morning and have this objective. For example, my objective for the next month is to take Berlin Marathon to the next level. So that's something inspiring me. <laughs> uh -huh. What is the next level? So that's when you use key results. Mm -hmm. for, for me, the next level will be, I want to run this marathon in three hours and 30 minutes. Okay. So a key result have to be quantitative, something that can tell you with numbers if you are achieving that goal. It's a system that I use, so I uh -huh. have different categories. So that's, for example, is my health. Yeah. So my health, it's very important in my life. Yeah. So I say, okay, what I do for my health, I do, I run. And that's a pretty good story, by the way, because I didn't start running because I like it. It was more like something that my life forced me to do, to have a balance uh -huh. or a harmony in my life. And, and yeah, that's how I, I put my private goals in perspective. Mm -hmm. So health, financial goals, career development, personal relationships, and things like that. So it's very easy. It just gives you an idea if you're in the right direction or not. So yeah. it gives you focus. It tells you, okay, what are the most important things that you want to do in the following yeah. three months. And just very visual, I just see every single Sunday, okay, am I doing right, am I doing wrong? And then I just put yeah. some post-its with colors and then the colors will tell me if I'm in the right direction. Yeah. So it is indeed nerdy, but I think it, it helps. I mean, actually I show it to a colleague and now he has a OKR board in his living yeah. room. So that's when you see, okay, this is actually probably a good message and yeah. people are using it as well. So he wants to, for example, lose weight. Yeah. So he's using OKRs to, yeah. to reduce his, his weight. So that's how I do it. I think it's, a, it's, amazing. it's an amazing tool. Yeah. I think it, it could work for anyone who, yeah. who truly wants to change some habits in their life or make some small life changes. I'm actually telling you a very nerdy secret. I'm doing the <laughs> planning myself. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually using the happiness planner. Okay. So it's a book that you can order at happinessplanner.com. Okay. And I got it uh, offered as a present at a TEDx talk in Thailand okay. earlier this year by the founder of the company. Okay. And you also plan your weeks. And for me, that's quite important because the idea of this whole happiness planner is that you plan in every day something that you truly like. Okay. So this could be something at work where I run a workshop where I'm really excited about. Right. But this could also mean that I make sure to take yoga classes, to do some sports or, you know, meet my friends. That you also reflect a little bit which person is good for your life and what activities uh, you actually make you happy. Right. So you can make sure you plan them in uh, every day or even on a weekly basis. So we're talking about innovation here. I'm going to take this component yeah. to my OKRs and this will be amazing yes. now. Wow. Cool. So yeah, that's that's what I do. Uh, that's what I kind of like follow, Christina. Which advice would you give people that are interested in becoming an uh, innovation manager or even a startup mentor? Um, I think it goes in the direction of what I was telling you at the beginning about my role. It's not mm -hmm. what I do. It's made more or less like what, why I like to do what I do. So mm -hmm. I think the first thing that I can advise anyone going in this direction is why do you want to jump into this ship? Why yeah. do you want to be in this domain? Yeah. Right. So I have my personal reasons. So that's a good way to self-assess. Mm -hmm. yourself so if you click these boxes that are more or less mentioned that you like to you know be in the forefront of helping people come up with new business opportunities mm -hmm. for, for a company or for a startup that you want to that you really truly want to solve and help people solve big challenges and problems those are the good things that will tell you that you're in the right path besides that I think it's very important that you read I mean yeah. it's, I think reading it's, it's quite useful 
because reading about innovation will also give you a sense if you feel excited of about continue reading yeah. or going from one blog to another. Yeah. So I've read these three really good books. One is, for example, The Ten Faces of Innovation, uh -huh. which is a book from IDO, well, from one of the founders of IDO. You have this book that is called Innovators, who tells the story of big faces, big personalities mm -hmm. like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, all different stuff. Those are really cool books. Yeah. I could also recommend, for example, From Zero to One from Peter Thiel. Uh -huh. So all these really innovation like, books that talks about innovation and entrepreneurship yeah. will give you a guidance if you truly want to be in this field. Okay? Because if it excites you, right? if your heart starts like, oh, this is so cool, how yeah. can I you know, start being, be, being part of this? Yeah. That's already it's a sign. I already like. I also like to to read a lot of blogs. Uh -huh. So I also uh, read blogs in Medium. I write in Medium. Yeah. So that's also pretty pretty good to give yeah. you a sense. Nice. We will also add all the links for the books and also uh, links to, of course, your Medium okay. uh, later in the show notes. Cool. And be also be part of communities in uh -huh. this in this kind of field. Like talk to people, network. All in all, I think the advice will be make a self evaluation. If you're a good communicator, yeah. if you like to network, if you're really passionate about you know driving things yeah. and being together with people most importantly if you have patience i think patience is a big word in innovation because uh -huh. innovation is a long-term kind of journey yeah right so what i mentioned in the beginning is i like to i would like to have or to create a long-term impact in the innovation culture of this company so you truly have to be patient about it so if, if you're truly dreaming about the short term and see impact already and prove, yeah. prove, prove that it works, I, I'm not so sure if you're going to be able to, to sustain the whole journey. So patience is very, very important. Thank you. So Luis, we're at yeah. the end of our interview and I would like to ask you one question that I ask everyone that I interview, which is if you had the superpower to change anything in either your current employment situation or current employment system overall, mm -hmm. what would you change? Wow, <laughs> this is the hardest question and you left it in the end. <laughs> yeah, so if I have a superpower, okay. So I would like to see a change, um, for example, in the way that we approach the topic of innovation, mm -hmm. right? I just mentioned the word patience. So it's about this trade-off between short-term and long-term, mm -hmm. right? Innovation is a long-term bet and I would like to have a change in that way of mindset. So yeah. some challenges that we have had recently is to prove that innovation is creating an impact. Mm -hmm. And that proof wants to be shown with numbers or with yeah. metrics. And that's very hard, mm -hmm. that's very challenging. And I would like to see a change of way of thinking in that direction. How can I, by qualitative you know, research or by stories telling you that we're actually making a change, we're actually making an impact. So I would like to see a change in that direction. And that involves the leadership that is kind of like supporting this kind mm -hmm. of initiatives. I would like to see also a change in how leaders think about the career prospect of people who like to take the challenge by working with innovation. Yeah. Right? How do you contribute with them? How you develop them? How do you foster career paths for these people who truly wants to make a future or a better future for your own company? Right? So I would like to see a change in, in that in that direction as well. On top of that, I already talked about, okay, how do you develop, how do you train, how do you make a career path for these people, but also how do you recognize them. So part of my research that I've done lately is that sometimes, or in many cases, some of these people are not truly recognized of what they do. And I think that's crucial. Yeah. And recognition does not mean something tangible. I'm not mm -hmm. talking about money here. I'm not talking about rewards. Yeah. I'm talking about sit down and say, hey, This is a great job what you've done. Yeah. You know that, right? If you don't know that, I want you to I want to make you aware of it. I want to acknowledge your contribution. I want to see you in your eyes and tell you thank you for your job. I think yeah. that's required a lot yeah. in this daily business that we're working with. Yeah. And just do design thinking. Understand yeah. what people truly want, what are their needs. Yeah. So as I said again, it's not about just giving money to people, oh yeah. good, they're your bonus because you work yeah. in this really cool innovation project. Maybe people just perhaps want to study. Yeah. Right. And they have been for a while trying to do a course in, yeah. I don't know, in leadership or negotiations yeah. or in any kind of technology. Yeah. And you can just come back and say, you know what, you earn this yeah, yeah. and you get out of this building of this company and go to this training and congratulations. Great job. We really like we really value your work here. You're yeah. so valuable for this company. I would like to see that change. Yeah. I would like to see 
more empathy. That's the whole word in this in, in this part. I think um, leadership plays a crucial role in this change. It's more about leading by inspiration, yeah. having the courage to get people inspired. And for that, I would really like to quote Simon Zinnick. Mm -hmm. Do you know him? Yeah. Uh, it's a guy that I truly, truly believe in what he says. He talks big wisdom, so yeah. I, I really follow him a lot. Uh -huh. It's one of my main influences of how I see the world nowadays. Yes, I adore him as well. Yes. So the way he starts the, his book, Start With Why, is with a really great paragraph. And he says, there are leaders and there are those who lead. And he says, leader holds a position of power or influence. Those who lead inspire us. So whether it's an individual or organization, we follow those who lead because, not because we have to, it's because we want to. And in the end, he says, we follow those who lead not for them, but for ourselves. And for me, that's super powerful. So I would like to see that change in the leadership that I've perceived lately. Nice. Thank you so much, Louis. I think these were like super powerful uh, last words from yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I want to call it a journey because <laughs> I learned so much for myself. This was really, truly inspiring. A lot of inspirational input. Yes, I think that's a lot of a lot of things to digest for now. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you so you. much of like sharing your story. I think you're, as I said before, a great role model. So I really hope that we could inspire also a lot of people out there. I hope a lot of people can learn from your journey. Maybe one last question. If people would like to contact you, are you available on, on LinkedIn or what are the preferred channels where people can contact you? Right. So first of all, I will just have to say thank you. I really love what you're doing. I, I truly believe in the concept that you are kind of creating or this idea that you have. Thank you. And I know all your drive. You're also a role model for, model <laughs> for a lot of people. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. Yes, so as I said, you can contact me through LinkedIn. Of course, give an introduction about yourself. Mm -hmm. Say that you heard this in your podcast so I can know, okay, I know where it comes from. And yeah, I think LinkedIn is the, the, big, the, the best way to, to contact me. So mm -hmm. I'm very active there and just send me an invitation by just looking for my name, Luis Borges, Innovation Manager at Zalando. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, so there you can see my email and we can just have a chat, a conversation. I'm very open to, to exchanges all the time. Thank you very much. Thank you.